Don't you love teamwork? <laughs> it's so cool, man. I love to see good teamwork. And you know, as we, uh, we go through this month, kind of a ministry-focused, ministry spotlight, uh, you know what ministry, the scriptures teach at the heart of ministry is team, is a teamwork. Uh, ministry is done in the context of a team. And uh, it's the coolest thing to see a team come together, uh, different skills, personalities, abilities come together, unite around a common goal, and do things that is far greater than one person could do on their own, right? And that is the context of ministry. I would remind you, last week we shared just uh, a few scriptures to introduce this idea, and I I reminded you that the first scripture I ever shared uh, with you was from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, for we are God's handiwork, That word is masterpiece, work of art, of everything that God has going on in this world, uh, the beautiful stuff he's created, the powerful things he's done, uh, the most glorious and most beautiful masterpiece he's doing is our lives, Uh, the creation of our lives, and then taking our broken, fallen, lost, chaotic, hopeless lives, giving us new life, forgiving us, redeeming us out of that, getting us on a new path, and then giving us a sense of purpose. Because listen to what he says. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which actually God has prepared in advance for us to do. So he introduces the idea that God has done all of this. He's doing his greatest work in our lives, changing our lives, making and molding us into the image of his son. And the purpose of that is to then create someone who has purpose, who makes a difference, who is significant, who is an agent for the kingdom of God in this world. Paul, as he's writing this letter, takes it a little bit farther for us to understand. Because in chapter 3, he he says this, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. I was given a role, a purpose. God specifically graced me with this ability. His gift was being an apostle. That's a big one. Um, But he had that. It was his calling, his purpose, and he was supposed to administrate that out. He said it was given specifically to me to do. Then he keeps it going a little bit farther in Ephesians chapter 4, the next chapter, when he makes it personal to us. When he says, but to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he goes on to say, some of you have been called to do this and this and this. And he starts with a whole list of how he he sees, he's designed his kingdom to work, his church to work. And so... God has not only given us new life, he's not only reoriented us and and given us hope and a future, but central to that is he's instilled in each of us a desire and a reality of purpose, of purpose. I love uh, what uh, Kirby John Caldwell says. There are two great moments in a person's life. The moment you're born And the moment you realize why you were born. The moment you're born and the moment you realize why 
you were born. You see, we are uniquely crafted, designed to desire purpose. We want to make a difference. We innately want to be significant. And that significance is not only in relationships with one another that we matter and that we're accepted and we're loved, but also that our lives can then carry out a purpose that affects the world around us for good and makes an impact in other people's lives. It's the word purpose carries with this idea of serve. It's this serve word that we throw around here a lot. It's, it's one of our core values, right? Worship, connect, and serve. And the church has always been called to be a serving church. Why? Because our leader, the head of the church, is a servant is the model servant. And he has called us to not only love him completely, singularly, but to love our world as ourselves. And inherent in loving is serving, right? And so I would remind you of the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he says the church is the church only when it exists to for others. The church is only the church. It's only doing what it's supposed to do when it is looking to help others or for others, serving others. It's uh, in our mission statement. Our purpose, our purpose today, our mission statement here at NAPNAS is to what? Help people. Help people. Take their next steps in a transforming relationship toward Jesus Christ. Inherent in serving is loving. You love your, Jesus loved the world, he served the world. That was the display of his love. And so for us, loving the world is serving the world. Now I would say the way this works, the way that it's um, kind of crafted and the scriptures share about the church is that we, we inherently serve one another in order that we might then serve the world. You see, all the one another's of the New Testament, and there's quite a lot of them, love one another, do this for one another, the one another's of the, of the scriptures are for the body of Christ primarily to build up, to edify, to strengthen, to support. Why? Because then as we are receiving what we need from one another, and I'm sure all of us could talk for a while about how we have been impacted by the people that we uh, share the faith with, as we're healthy, then we're equipped and we're vibrant and we're strong to then serve the world around us. And so we're called to love the world, serve the world, but that begins by loving the church and serving the church. And so we see that in the scriptures, this word serve carries with it two kind of core teachings about it. One, it is the imagery of the body and it is the reality of spiritual gifts. If you wanna answer the question, how, okay, so Jesus was a servant, he came, gave his life, displayed this servanthood, called us to be servants. Uh, He said the greatest among you is the one who serves. Um, That's how we love the world, is by serving the world. we, you say, I see that. Well, what does it look like? How does it function? In what context is it? And he gives us these, these two things, this picture of the body and the reality 
of spiritual gifts. Listen to Romans chapter 12. Paul has just shared the gospel for 11 chapters in Romans. He's laid it out as powerfully, as beautifully as it ever could be. You can walk away from Romans 1 through 11 and say, I get it. I see it. I know what's going on. And this is how he transitioned is, okay, so now you see it. Now here's what you do with it. Here's how it impacts your life. Remember 12.1, he calls them to surrender their lives and to say, okay, you got it. Now surrender your life to me and let me be your Lord. And following that, almost immediately following that, he has these words. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't have all the same functions, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Right there, it's so implicit. I'm gonna share with you the idea of the body to help you understand how you serve, and I'm gonna remind you that each of you have been given a gift, a grace gift from God. Right there. That's how we understand how to serve our world. Um. But I, I want to just kind of flesh this out quickly because the way we're doing this this month is I'm sharing some teaching for a, a little while, and hopefully that's a short while, some of you, right? And then we're spotlighting a ministry just to kind of tap you in to how this works in our church. But I want to just share three body principles with you today. Now, in our culture, especially when I say three body principles, you're probably waiting for uh, a diet plan or a workout regimen, or uh, some kind of yoga class, right? Um, that's not the three body principles I'm talking about today, and I'm probably not the guy to be talking about body principles, all right? But um, three body principles, if he gives us this imagery of the body, this picture of the body, what does it mean? What is he trying to communicate to us? And it's this, it's in these three words. If ministry is done in context of team, the body is a picture of team. We all get body, right? We know what it is. We have one. We, we get it. And so he uses that to help us understand how we serve. And it's these three words. The first word is there's unity in this idea of ministry. Listen to his words in, in uh, chapter 12. Just as one body, just as a body, though one, has many parts, all of its many parts form one body. So as it is with Christ. We are all baptized by one spirit to form one body. There's no more Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We're all given the one spirit to drink. And he finishes this section by reminding them, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. You see, He's calling us quickly to understand that the body has a lot of things going on, but truly it is one thing. It's one unit. You know, this morning we have different styles, tastes, colors. There's different races and backgrounds and genders in this room today. And mostly, probably the world around us would ask the question, what are all those people doing together? Right? The different backgrounds we have, the different opinions we might have, I mean, if we started airing it out today, we probably, you know, it would be varied in many. And honestly, a lot of times when a group of people come together like this, it's only a matter of time before the differences that we have end up starting to cause division, then conflict, then hatred, and prejudice. 
but what's unique about the body of Christ. Because all of us have been called and are in one spirit, baptized into one spirit, the Holy Spirit. He brings us all together to a greater purpose. And all of our different backgrounds don't matter because we actually, the saying really becomes, well, you love Jesus, I love Jesus. That's, what, that's the bigger deal. The other stuff is inconsequential, where you come from, what side of the tracks you came from, what's your social standing, what's your uh, ethnic background, what, uh, da, 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 whether you came from Liberty Center or Patrick Henry or Napoleon or Defiance, right? Amen? <laughs> That's true, right? I've already experienced that a little bit. Doesn't matter, does it? We're here, it's Jesus. And he brings us into a strong, cohesive unit. And we are always unified, regardless of all the other stuff. One body, it's unified. Second word is diversity, though. Diversity. Re- keep, keep reading with me there uh, in 2 Corinthians. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If an ear should say, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where in the world would the body be? It'd be like some of those weird cartoons that we have, you know, like they're all one eye or one ear. Um, I'm thinking of that Monsters. Anybody watch Monsters? The guy's got the really big eye. It looks like he's just one eye. Weird. It would be weird. As it is, there are many parts but one body. And the beauty of this, this team, is we are united but we are diverse, and that is okay. In fact, it is great. In fact, it is what is needed. There are no cookie cutters in the kingdom of God. We're not trying to force anybody else in our group into our mold. We're like this, you should be like this. You, have, you do this, I, sh- I do this, you should do this. No, no. The body's diverse as the body or the, our physical bodies are diverse. Kidney, important role, vastly different than the heart. Important role. They're different, but yet they come together and they're diverse. And it's what makes this beautiful thing go. And it is the body of Christ. He's showing us this picture. It's unity, but it's diversity. He is he has created diversity for it to be the most beautiful thing in the world. The third word is harmony. Though listen to these words. He continues this way. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. There's parts of your body that you think, well, that's not a big deal. And then you realize you can't, you can't function like you're supposed to without it. Think about, just think about this week. I've been thinking about my big toe. Not a big deal, right? Doesn't seem like it. 
Take my big toe, big deal. Yeah, right. You realize the function your big toe has to the overall effectiveness of your body? Man, you lose your big toe, you got a job on your feet, you're getting another job. This little, well, for some, big, little big, some bigger than others, right? Big toe is incredible to the function of your body, your balance, everything. You say it's not a big deal, it's a huge deal. And that's what he's saying. These parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. No, they're not. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. There's a whole sermon in this, and I'm trying to do it in 10 minutes. But uh, really, what he's trying to say is that the body, it's it's, it's called to be together. It, that's the only way it functions. There is no body without it working together. It falls down, it breaks, it dies. It gets incredibly sick and dies. And it's very diverse and that's great. It's okay, it's how he's defined it. But then he calls us to say, hey, it, but it's in harmony. There is no sense of somebody is less valuable than somebody else. The only thing I don't know what to do with is the appendix, right? Somebody want to volunteer to be the appendix? I'm the appendix. No. Uh, the, the, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that there has been a role for our bodies with our appendix all along. And they're going to find it at some point. And it was valuable. He's saying that the body is unified, diverse, and in harmony. And when it's like that, it performs and functions exactly the way God has created. It's a beautiful picture of, I say, the most intricate coolest team ever created is your body there's nothing greater than your body the way it works physical it's it's incredible and he says that's the way his kingdom looks it's like the body working together unified different but together and so with this imagery We want to stop and just pause and allow that to soak into your heart and mind this week. But then we also want to spotlight a a ministry in our church. And I'm going to invite Ken to come up. Last week we talked about um, our NAPNAS kids ministry and all that's going on there. And so just the natural progression is our student ministry. Just want to put a spotlight on it. You know, a year ago or a little over a year ago, um, Ken came on board and... um, uh, you know, I, I got teased a lot because he is from Iowa, and that played a role in my decision, but it really didn't. Just seeking God and, and um, just trying to really f- figure this out, I became very comfortable with that God was leading us in this direction. And it's been really cool the last 15 months to just have those confirmations time and time again that, hey, this was a good hire. This is what we needed to do. And it's been really cool to see all that's happened in, in the 15 months. I tell you what, it's really cool to be here on Wednesday evening. The, the energy, the, uh, all that's going on, the amount of kids, the amount of adult sponsors. It's just really cool. It's a very vibrant part of what we have going on here. This has always been an important thing to us, hasn't it? For the last over 15 years, we have dedicated resources to this kind of ministry, starting with Danny. How many of you remember Danny? You know, I don't even know Danny yet, but I'm itching to meet him. 
And we're going to bring him back next year, I think, for... Anyway, I better not talk about that too much. Danny and then Joe, right? Um, And now Ken. It's something we value. And um, so I just want to allow him to share a little bit about the ministry, put a spotlight on it. And uh, maybe it challenges you to pray for it or to say, hey, I think I could be involved in that. Um, Whatever it is, um, we're just hoping this speaks to you. Well, uh, this morning as we get just starting our our focus on student ministry, we have a video to show you to kind of give you a little bit more insight into what goes on in student ministry.
um, hopefully, there we go. Uh, hopefully you heard or you were able to hear through all of the, the craziness going on in the background of those videos uh, that one of the, the key things that we do as a youth group is we worship together. Uh, and the students enjoy that, the adults enjoy that. Uh, and I would just throw this out there. If, you're, if you have a Wednesday night uh, open and available and you would just like to come and worship, we won't do anything. We won't put you in charge of a small group or do anything. You can just come and hang out and worship. Uh, we have, uh, uh, we just have a, a great time of worship back there on a Wednesday night. Uh, just invite uh, anybody who would like to come be a part of that to do that. Uh, hopefully, uh, you uh, have seen uh, this this into students logo around. We started putting it out in August. Uh, it was on our parade float that went down uh, that went down the road uh, there during the the fair. Uh, we, uh, we we started having conversations with a design company in the middle of the summer just to actually just refresh our old youth youth group logo and um, and then I said on in one of our conversations, hey, why don't you just throw something new out at me too, just to kind of see what else we could do. And they gave us this logo and immediately. Um, I just was uh, attracted to the potential that it had, uh, and so we've gone with it. And just to quickly explain it to you, N2 simply stands for NAPNAS. Um, a lot of people have asked what that means or what the N2 is about. It just simply means NAPNAS students. Um, but it also is now a way for our students, uh, when they wear shirts and different things to school, uh, when they're talking about our youth group to other people, uh, it's a way that they can actually share with them what we as a youth group are into. Um, and uh, it, we live in a day and age where there's a lot of divisiveness out there. There's a lot of uh, opportunities for us to stand up for what we're against and talk, uh, uh, you know, have there be a lot of division in our culture. Uh, we actually just want them to be able to share with their friends and their, their other students what they're actually into. Uh, and what we're into, uh, the three lines in the end represent that. It's, it's, uh, uh, it goes along with our church. We're into worshiping, connecting, and serving. Uh, and we want our students to know that as well uh, and be able to talk about that with their, uh, with their classmates and stuff at school. Uh, but we, we've kind of incorporated that this year. Uh, we've had a great start to the year. We had a back to school or kind of back to, to school, back to youth group kind of night uh, there at the end of August. And we had 62 students show up that night. Uh, and just to give you a perspective, last year our highest uh, attended night of the entire year was 64. Uh, so we hit that on the very first night after taking a break for the summer. Um, we, we had that uh, right away. Uh, we've had over uh, 50 each night that we've had uh, our, our students back with us on a regular Wednesday night. Uh, we, have a, we just have a great group of students, and it's, uh, it's great to be their youth pastor and be a part of it. Yeah, so as we talked last, uh, last week, our approach with kids, intentionality, um, hopefully from nursery on up, providing a, a, I would say, a partnership with parents, parents of the primary, but we come alongside. And, and so we talked about what that looked like in NAPNAS Kids. Talk about what that looks like in, in your mind and in this ministry going forward when they come in in sixth grade and what we're hoping to see happen. Uh, we really just want to continue what our kids are, are now learning over in the children's department. Uh, we actually use now the same curriculum in both areas, uh, and it's a small group oriented curriculum so that our, uh, our students, uh, when they enter in the children's department, they're learning um, through small groups. 
And we continue that on into our youth ministry, whether it's on Wednesday nights uh, or Sunday mornings. We are using small groups now to uh, just to allow the students to have uh, kind of just a, a smaller, like, one on, uh, right now it's about four-ish uh, interaction with the youth sponsor. And when we go through a lesson, we gather, we worship, I talk for about 10 minutes, uh, and, and then we split up into our small groups. And if you're here on a Wednesday night, uh, you'll see towards the end we have youth small groups everywhere uh, that we can fit them in this building. We have about uh, nine or so right now. Uh, and uh, the, the students are in those small groups asking questions. They're praying together. Uh, and we're actually, um, we're actually kind of helping them to uh, use that model to grow spiritually, uh, that small group model. Uh, and and it, it's just neat to see that begin in, a children's, in the children's department and to see that continue all the way through. And, you know, we have, we have, uh, we have content that we, want, that we hope the students, uh, by the time they would graduate and by the time we'd celebrate them on graduation Sunday, we hope that you know they they have a good understanding of of the story of the scriptures and that um, you know they uh, they understand just uh, our our core values of our church and 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 uh, the core values of, of our denomination and those things. Uh, but we also hope that they leave uh, with just a, a, an understanding of just the importance of being a part of a small group or, or being discipled by another person. Um, for the longest time, you know, youth ministry, and not just, I'm not just talking about here locally, but just in general, youth ministry um, kind of put out a model that uh, students, when they would leave youth ministry, that model wasn't continued when they got into adulthood. Uh, you, you know, we don't have adult youth groups anywhere, and so um, that kind of was, uh, that was hard for students to make that transition. And so I feel like here we are actually teaching them this small group model. So when they, when they, when they graduate from our youth ministry, they're going on uh, into um, adult ministries, either whether here or other places as they go off to college. Uh, and they're, they already are used to being a part of small groups. They're used to being discipled. They're used to mentoring and being mentored themselves. Uh, and, and I just think that's a great uh, benefit of our ministry. Okay. I know uh, maybe for the sake of time, but... Um, there's also a serving emphasis. They are taking and serving around the church, serving one another, and they're serving also outside the church. And I know with Ken, we've really talked about that, just broadening more and more so that's just a part of their DNA also is service. Um, you know, I'm just, I again, I share, I'm just really happy with how this has transitioned and happened. And, um, it's great that you're here, man, and uh, we ex we're anticipating great things going with uh, youth ministry. Thank you to all the sponsors, supporters of that. It is just really, really good right now. Let's, let's just uh, express some appreciation to Ken for the great job he's doing. Now, I just want to finish with this uh, short, short kind of story. Wayne Cordero, longtime successful pastor uh, in Hawaii, kind of shared in, in a book he wrote uh, about an experience he had. Um, he said one week he was able to take a tour of a, uh, a, a naval uh, a frigate ship um, in Hawaii, outside of Pearl Harbor, it's where he lives. And He said the captain invited him and he got to go out with one of their training exercises. And he said he, uh, he watched as he was able to be up in the captain's area and kind of up where he could see over the ship and 
said he was amazed that as soon as they got out of the harbor and they started their training exercises, they actually shot some shots out of their cannon as they were starting whatever maneuver they were training with. He said he just watched in amazement as he could just see everywhere people who were just working as a well-oiled machine. Everybody knew their role. Everybody was doing their role. And he just watched this beautiful harmony of people who, this is your job, this is your job, this is your job. He said he was just amazed. He watched it come together and it just go off flawlessly. He said it was beautiful, beautiful picture of teamwork. He said a short while later, he actually went on vacation with his wife and uh, they were on a cruise. They went on a cruise. And uh, he said he happened to be on a deck one morning. And he was looking down, and it was over the pool area. And this is what he said. He said, on deck, I noticed 400 lazy, sun-ripened human beings lounging around the pool with 40 uniform-clad workers scurrying around trying to keep them happy. And he said, in that moment as a pastor, it hit him. Does my church, or is my church, or does the church look more like a battleship or a cruise liner? Is there, is church a place where a lot of people sitting around expecting a few people to run around and meet their needs? Or is the church a highly efficient, battle-ready outfit where everybody knows their job and is doing it to the best of their ability. He goes on to conclude this. You don't find the strength of a church in the beauty of its buildings, the number of its attendees, or the size of its budget. A church is only as strong as the involvement of its members. And the more each person takes ownership in the ministry of the church, the stronger it becomes. And I've been thinking about that. Battleship cruise liner, right? I, uh, we've actually crunched numbers around here lately and I've, just, I've been impressed with the amount of people that are involved here serving. It's a, it's a good number. And my challenge to you is don't fall off the ship. We need you. Just as the body needs every kind of diverse role and skill, we need you. And maybe to you, maybe you're new, maybe you've never gotten plugged in, maybe you never thought you could. This month is simply about reminding you that you can, that you can. You can find something valuable here. We need you. And in fact, we will get stronger, we will do more, and we will reach more people, the more of us that are involved. And uh, I wanna challenge you, remember, do I know my spiritual gift? Am I using my spiritual gift? Those are the questions I want you to ponder. We're gonna jump into that the next two weeks. What are the spiritual gifts? How do they work? But I want you to, I, you know right now, do you know it? And are you using it? I just wanna finish with my favorite, my favorite story. One of my favorite stories about serving here at NAPNAS was uh, about a year ago, Jim Williams walked up to me after one service. Jim's like, what? I thought I was going to. Jim walked up to me and said, man, I just feel like I want to serve somewhere right now, just this phase of my life. I, I want to serve. And I thought, okay, great, you know. And, um, and then he walked off. 
you know, and I'm thinking, okay, where can I use Jim, you know, um, all this talent, you know, and all that, and that week, Lois comes to me and says, you know what, I got a new nursery worker, Jim Williams is in the nursery, I'm like, Jim Williams? It's been the coolest thing, I have heard so many comments, Jim Williams in the nursery with kids crawling all over him. He loves it. They love it. It is a cool, cool story, I think. And I just use that as a challenge. You never know where you might end up serving and where you can be very valuable to our church. Do I know my spiritual gift? Am I using it? Let's stand this morning. Father, uh, thank you for the patience of the people today as we work through this. Lord, speak to us. Challenge us. Keep us in this, in this place where it's just a part of who we are as we serve because we are following the one who was the model servant and he showed us that to love the world, you serve the world. That's what we're a part of and that's what we want to be about. So Lord, speak to us, every one of us. Speak to me, Lord. I, I get paid to serve certain roles. But Lord, there's other things that you want me to serve in that I could help in other ways. Continue to push me and show me and use me in those ways. So Lord, speak to all of us. Help us to see how beautiful, how great, how powerful this can be when we're united with all of our diversity being in harmony. Use us in a great way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you this morning. Have a great week.